aboard, everybody, to another Tuesday edition of the State News Sports Podcast. My name is Casey Harrison, co-hosting along with the lovely Stephen Olshansky. And before we get into it, I'd really kind of like to apologize on behalf of Stephen, the newsroom, myself, um, for the week-long unexpected hiatus. <laughs> what, what was that, Stephen? I'm not sorry. You're not sorry? Just kidding. I'm that, I mean, it, it wasn't really your fault. You That's didn't, true. You didn't choose to do this. But we got a bunch of new stuff here. It looks immaculate. Um, I don't know if we do tours here in the newsroom. I'm sure you could talk to Marty about that, and she could probably charge like $5 a head. But hey, come on. Stop on by. We'd love to see you. Um, <laughs> not really a loaded show for you. It's been a, a relatively big week in the Michigan sports market here. Um, Michigan State obviously playing a game. Uh, and I, I don't know about playing, but they showed up <laughs> against Purdue. Um, that, that game was ugly, uh, let me tell you. And But there was something big that came out of that game, and in case you're living under a rock, that was Aaron Harris. I can't read lips, Stephen. Uh, yeah, no, go keep going, sorry. I mean, Aaron Harris, Like we can talk about that a little bit more um, after the intro segment. And then I think the final thing that we want to talk about is, you know, Mr. Illich. Because mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it when it was fresh. But me being the, the Detroit Tigers fan that I am, and Steven being the little Red Wings butt boy that he is, um, like it or not, if you're from the metro Detroit area, if you've ever bought in Little Caesars Pizza, then Mike Illich has at least had uh, a minute impact on your life. And so just, just the... just. Your kind of thoughts about him. There was an interesting Deadspin article about him put out there, um, kind of putting him or framing him as not the philanthropic philanthropic uh, kind of guy that everybody has known to come and love. So we could, we could divvy into that a little bit. In fact, you want to start with that, Stephen? Oh, yeah, why not? Get into it. Yeah, sure. Um, so the, the Deadspin article was put out, and it was written by a guy who's – covered um detroit sports for for a while um and basically he, he was saying that mike gillich um through his rise into being basically a robber baron of metro detroit and becoming you know just building this absolutely giant ven- venture really mm-hmm. that his legacy isn't that he should be remembered as this guy who bent over backwards to help the city of Detroit and who really kind of revived the city when it needed it the most. Because it wasn't Detroit on his mind. Exactly. It was business. It just happened to be business in Detroit. The bottom line was he was lining his pockets. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've always known about Mike Gillich because, I've one, I, I've researched Mike Gillich a lot. Um, I, I had to research you him. You worked for Mike Gillich. I did work for Mike Gillich. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I worked for Little Caesars. Yeah. Um, no, we, we don't have any insider three info. Years. No, not at all. <laughs> but the thing I liked about Mike Gillich um, was was the fact that he was a self-made man, and he, he really did. Like, he, he took all of the kind of opportunities presented in front of him, and he monetized them. And that's what – I'm not saying he's a good person, but from all the stories that have come out, I mean, he, he, he is a relatively good person. I mean, he paid Rosa Parks' rent, mm-hmm. and – the the point I'm trying to convey is he is probably one of the most brilliant business people to ever come like in from America to to do what he did he I mean he graduated he he graduated high school and that's all of his education that's the extent of it 
And the, the life that he lived was pretty incredible. I mean, to go and play minor league baseball and then to, to get cut short of a salary deal, he's like, hey, give me $10,000 or else I'm walking. I'm going to join the Marines. And the Tigers said, see ya. And so he, that's what he did. And then he went to go join the Marines. And then the list just goes on and on. After he um, came back from the Marines, he started Little Caesars. And then it just accumulated. He owns he owned Cobo Hall. He owns the Fox Theater. He owned Joe Lewis. He owned Olympia Entertainment. He, it seems like everywhere you go, he just owned a part of Detroit. And I think the only person to rival that was Dan Gilbert. Is Dan Gilbert. Yes. I'm Dan, getting, Dan Gilbert kicked the bucket? I'm getting my He's verb kidding. tenses mixed up right. here. Um but yeah, I, I don't appreciate Mike Illich as the the type of guy that was you know was the the guy that everybody liked, the ideal fan, the fans fan, and yeah, that's what he did for the last thirty years of his life when he owned the Red Wings and when he owned the Tigers because he just poured millions and millions of dollars. And I mean, I, I think Detroit was kind of gifted in that sense that most sports owners aren't like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't worried about making a quick buck. He kind of took a I would think like a George Steinbrenner kind of approach to it, where he was gonna pour a lot of money into his teams because, well, it would. I mean, it, we could talk about how much he didn't care or necessarily in, had Detroit in his mind, but his teams, he had his teams in mind every time he spent money. Oh yeah, and it, it definitely helped a, um, you know, for the Red Wings and the NHL when it had no salary cap, and that's why you end up with Stanley Cups in '97, '98, 2001, and then 08. Really, not as much, but. But you end up with, you know, in 01 and 02, that, that team that won the Stanley Cup was probably the greatest collection of pro hockey players on one team uh, in, in probably the longest time. And probably it's since, you know, have, has been since and probably kind of will be until you know, they put another, I guess the Olympics is the other ones when Team Canada plays together. But um, that was the greatest, like, pro hockey team collection that I had ever seen. I mean, I was, what, three at the time, but... Um, when you look back on it, that was probably the greatest collection of pro hockey players in one team. It, how much money was put together on that team? Imagine if that was now. Oh, could you imagine that, that, the amount of talent that was on that team? How much what their payroll would be now if they put that that the players of that stature on a team nowadays? Oh my God! And like that would be like somebody would probably sue the NHL <laughs> for like legal employing practices or something because that's that's I mean, it would be a ridiculous amount of money and there would definitely be lawsuits from like expansion teams about how you just can't do that but um you know i kind of look at mike illich like a uh, uh you know he cared a lot for his teams and i, I will always kind of give him credit for that one. Oh yeah for sure and i mean he's the reason why the tigers were so relevant after 2003 i mean obviously he owned the tigers in 2003 but after that he was like enough is enough and then he actually poured the seemingly an endless amount of money he was just printing money for a while he he kind of just went out and got justin upton all by himself Mm. and he kind of did the same with prince fielder and i mean obviously the prince fielder signing didn't really pan out and it kind of looks right now that the Justin Upton signing isn't really panning out. Right. But, I mean, the dude was a baller. I mean, he he just dropped millions of dollars because he wanted to win that badly. Right. I mean, he said that his life wouldn't be complete until he, the Tigers won a World Series while he owned the team. And, obviously, he's he kicked the bucket as not quite the happy man. But, 
I mean, shit, he, he lived a very fulfilling life. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if I could have half the life that he had, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd chalk that up as a W in my book. Right. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I think the most important thing to see there is the all his ways of giving back to Detroit wasn't because Detroit was the, the thing in mind there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was first, and it was all about making his brand and being able to monetize on it. Right. And I think that's the thing that you have to look for. I mean, you can't kind of look at him as a martyr or a saint. You have to look at him as just like like a robber baron. I mean, the, the guys that they teach us in history books, like Andrew Carnegie and all, all those guys, yeah, they were, they were nice and they gave back a lot, but why did they give back? Because mm-hmm. they had their own self-interest in it. Right. And uh, I, I think that will just about do it for that. Coming up next is Aaron Harris and the saga of MSU basketball. Welcome back, everybody, to the State News Sports Podcast. My name is Casey Harrison, alongside Stephen Olshansky on a Tuesday afternoon. Stephen's a little bit distracted right now. He's been looking at cool shirts because, you know, looking, you, can never, you can never have a full wardrobe, am I right, Stephen? That's very true. I mean, Stephen, a.k.a. Uh, Bo Hayho. Ah, thank you. The fashionable ex-snoozer, whom we named after the most fashionable award to at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But, Stephen, what are you doing there? You're kind of worrying me. I'm not. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I've been in and out. Are you you talking to somebody? No, you know. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Stephen, I can read you like a book. I know you can. And I think you were talking to somebody. somebody, It's okay. You can tell the public. Uh, No, it's fine. You can tell the people. They're here for you. you They love you. They care about you. And you know what else this beloved fan base cares about, Steven? Hmm. The MSU basketball team. Hmm. And that same MSU basketball team that That's I just going talked to the NIT? about. Uh, possibly. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, probably not the way it's shaping out here. Um, last week I was fairly adamant that they were going to the NIT, but things change, okay? I, I've, I've learned my ways. Um, Please don't berate me. I'm just a young, spry reporter who barely <laughs> knows anything. I'm just a young pup. I mean, as as all the old people would say of the world, that you're just a millennial. You don't know anything. So, yeah, you could chalk that up there. But anyway, this MSU basketball team took the road and went to West Lafayette last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And they didn't play much basketball there, but it was a few decent minutes. <laughs> and um, I think I'm funny. Anyway, <laughs> th- I think the biggest thing out of that game is because you didn't really have any business winning that game in the first place. Um, that's a game that even on paper is just probably the most um, awkward matchup. It's the it's the worst matchup for MSU in the Big Ten um, just for the sh- sheer size differential because that's the one thing MSU – doesn't have any of and we've been harping it all season that it's it's size they don't have any of it um and when you have isaac haas who can just kind of do whatever he wants with you at will and you have nick ward who fouls out with 10 minutes to play and you also have kenny goins who fouls out and you get kenny goins who gets two fouls in the span of a minute um it it really kind of makes it hard to win especially on the road so um i like I said, not not really putting much weight into that loss. It's a game that you should not have won anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you want to break down MSU's schedule the rest of the way, 
Um, I'll, I'll take it game by game here. They should beat Nebraska. I, I agree with that. Do you agree, Steven? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, they've done it already. I, I don't be surprised. When you get them at home after beating them pretty handedly on the road, I think yeah, it's practically an easy win. The only thing about uh, Nebraska is they will be getting Ed Morrow back, and I think he led the team, not in scoring, but he led, led them in rebounds, and he led them in rebounds by a pretty hefty margin. Um, and then on the next game uh, would be a home game against Wisconsin, and we, we were talking about that a little bit with Connor. Um, that's a game that is kind of up in the air. What do you think, Steven? Um, yeah, I'd have to agree. You, you think they win against Wisconsin? No, I think it's up in the air. Oh, you think it's up in the air? Yeah. So uh, if we were doing big boy radio and you had to make a decision, oh, gun, oh, to, your, oh, gun oh. to your head, Oof. what's it going to be? The game is where again? The game is in East Lansing, Lansing. for, for that, for <sighs> you paying so gracious attention. You know, I look at this, this game, and I think to myself, give me the Badgers. Give you the because Badgers? I don't believe in this basketball team. Wow, that I was... I don't... I'm sorry. That that's some critical analysis right there, Stephen. <laughs> that was some real groundbreaking I stuff groundbreaking. right there. Anyway, no, I, I mean, have you, you've watched the games up close and personal, and they get this kind of shot, they're not going to win it. Have you, has they, they, they had a great shot down in Ann Arbor, and what happened? Uh, they blew it. Oh, uh, yeah. They um, didn't come They to had show a great up. shot on the road in Columbus. What happened there? And they blew it. Right. Um, they play really close with Purdue at home, and they blew, blew it. it. Well, I, I could still argue that game that against Purdue. That is Purdue. However, they were in that game up until the point, and they couldn't finish. If you're going to cite another loss, I would probably cite, like, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one that's a game they will where want you back. should have won. And they will want Penn State If back. you would have played the last five minutes, or if you would have played the first 35 minutes like you would the last five minutes, mm-hmm. you'd probably come away with a win in right. that one. And you'd want, like I said, Penn State back. And when Michigan State kind of shows up to these games, I just can't see them winning this one. Oh, yeah. And uh, then you, you go on the road um, at Illinois. and That's a win. According to Connor, that could still be a tricky game because I think it'll be a win. MSU, However, I would agree with Clark. Yes, MSU could go into that game thinking, "Oh, it's just Illinois. Do we really have to show up for this?" Because plain and simple, Illinois is kind of a team that's sinking right now, but they're not going to go down without a fight, and they're not going to let you go down to their home court, and they're not just going to let you just beat up on them. And that's a game where, yeah, it, it's a game that MSU should win. But if they don't come out of the gate with that intensity and kind of shoot them right in the face to start, um, it, it's a game that Illinois could stay in for the entire match. And, you know, anything can happen when you let a team stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. That's a game that MSU should win. And then they end the year at Maryland. Um, depending on who you talk to, um, I mean, Maryland is clearly the better team in that matchup. But what... I have to offer um, about that is it's the last game of the season for both teams, and by then, seeding in the Big Ten should be locked up for the most part. Uh, Maryland should be in the top two seeds, and hopefully by the time that they're in the top two seeds, um, they're not really playing for much. They're just trying to stay healthy and gear towards the tournament and make a run in that. Um, and so they'd probably be playing a little bit more reserved, even in their um, home field, home stadium, home arena, home floor, whatever you want to call it. And that that's going to be the big thing. If MSU can kind of just take that lead and go on a big run right out of the gate, 
then MSU could possibly do the upset. It's not going to do much for Maryland. It wouldn't really affect them that way because they're in the tournament no matter what, if you ask me. Um, and it's a game that could probably mean a lot for the Spartans. Um, but breaking down this Purdue game, not really going too much into it because your bigs fouled out and your wings didn't really show up. Cassius Winston played some of the worst defense I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but but Aaron Harris, he went down, and that's a that's a pretty big loss for the for the Spartans. Uh, not really on the court. His numbers really kind of he has the element to I mean bust out here and there and provide points but exactly I mean, I'm not overall, saying overall yeah yeah I mean he's fairly replaceable with what you have I mean he was giving you 10 a game give or take mm-hmm. and I I think that's fairly acceptable to get that out of a combined Matt McQuaid and Alvin Ellis right I, I don't do think that's that, asking that too senior much. leadership factor. And much that's the thing. The that's thing, where the big loss comes in. And, and the thing is, like everybody can debate. Oh, he's not a leader. He's not. No, he's not a tom. He's he not. He really a, is, um, though. The thing is, like playing on, on teams that are senior heavy. I mean, you rely on those guys because they've been battle tested. It doesn't matter if they're completely vocal, twenty four seven on and off the court. You know, um, it doesn't even matter if they they tell you just to say something to you in a when you ask them a question about their leadership and they just kind of say, oh, yeah, he's a great leader. But you look to your seniors because they've done it before. If you had a team of just all freshmen, like when Kentucky wins a national title and whatnot, that is like a an anomaly if you have five freshmen who win a national title for you. Um, you, you need guys who have been battle-tested before, and even if they play only so many minutes and jump only, what, you know, maybe average a six points a game at the most, you still need their their presence on the court because they provide that extra element that a freshman can't or a sophomore can't give you yet. And that's where MSU is really going to be hurting in that sense because he he really was. I mean, you ask anybody in that team, and when he went down, I mean, it was clear as day how much Aaron Harris meant to them. And he, I guess he had a team meeting, um, and he gave a speech just a little bit about how you should really cherish every minute you have on the floor because you never really know when it's going to be your last. And obviously from him, that's it, it's kind of saying a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, he was kind of just like, it was really amongst the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, like, don't feel bad for me because this happened. And Tom Izzo said, like, he wasn't playing the blame game. Like, Don't be sad that it's over. Smile because it happened. Thanks, I'm Bob kidding. Ross. <laughs> but yeah, that, that really was the gist of it. And this team is going to miss Aaron Harris um, on the court. I think in the biggest respect that he he's pretty good on defense. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be up to Josh Langford, and it's going to be up to Alvin Ellis. I think Alvin Ellis should be the guy starting um, because Matt McQuaid is, really hasn't done much in high-pressure situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but but right now I think it's Josh Langford who's really got to step up the defense, who's capable of stepping up that defense, and it's also got to be Alvin Ellis. And maybe they can use this Aaron Harris thing as kind of like a rallying cry and to, to kind of gather around and just actually be cohesive as a team on the floor. And, and that's something that this team, they're, they're a little too selfless. And to, to take that next step as a team – they're they're going to need to they they're going to need something to you know play for, and they haven't had that all season long, mm-hmm. 
And this is something that I, I think it's, it's a little cliche, but they, they really could get behind them, and it could give them just a little bit of a boost. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's always an, an emotional boost. You, you want to win for – obviously, you want to win for seniors. That's always there. You want to win for the guys who um, – they don't – he doesn't get to contribute anymore. So you want to you win for the guys who are a part of your team that, that don't get to be in battle with you. It gives you an extra um, – it gives you that extra pep in your step that's not – that's totally a thing. Um, one last thing before we kind of wrap everything up, and this still goes back to Aaron Harris, is at the press conference today, Tom Izzo kind of said, and I don't know if he just meant for the rest of the season or if he meant going forward, but he said that Aaron Harris was going to be an assistant coach with the team. And that, that I think, is kind of a big deal um, just in the regards that that, that speaks volume to his, his basketball IQ and his ability to, to talk to players and his ability to just be be that kind of presence, you know? Mm. And he was talking how Aaron has always been the type of guy to, to look at film, and he just doesn't look for what he does wrong. He looks at what everybody does wrong, and, and he gives pointers to them. And Because he, he, he wants this Spartan team to be able to grow, and that, that's the best way to do it. And I, that's the one thing he can still do with this team because he still has his eyes, he still has his voice, and that those are really the only things that he can use right now. Right, exactly. Um, anyway, I mean, it, it's a very bad situation for Aaron Harris. Um, as a human, I, I hope he gets well soon because I, I don't wish an injury like that. I mean, you can watch the replay. I don't wish that upon anybody. No. Um, and with that being said, I think that'll do it for this edition of the State News Sports Podcast. Steven, any final thoughts? No, I'm all set, sir. You're playing with your hair, and you, you look like you just had a bad day. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll leave the fan base with that. No oh boy. Um, in our next episode, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be good. You guarantee that. Um, and that will be on Friday, right around noon, give or take. Uh, we're not always consistent <laughs> no. with that. Uh, but we try. We give it the good old college try. Right. And so with that, I leave you East Lansing. Now everybody have a good week.